Welcome to a special episode of Music for Life, a program which explores the purpose and value of music to humanity's enrichment. I'm Ryan Malone, concert manager for Armstrong Auditorium and host of this program. This is another of our special episodes that I've titled Pre-Concert Talks. These episodes will air the week of a concert at Armstrong Auditorium here in Edmond, Oklahoma, and we are coming up on another exciting event here at Armstrong. This is the eighth movement, The Romance, from Dmitry Shostakovich's Gadfly Suite, in a recording by the Grammy-nominated National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine. Shostakovich himself said this about this orchestra, It has as distinguished a group of performers as one would be likely to find anywhere. The ensemble of the orchestra is of the highest level. In addition, the various soloists and instrumental groups within the orchestra play exceptionally and complement each other beautifully, as would the greatest of the world's symphony orchestras. The National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine will be performing on Thursday, March 9th at Armstrong Auditorium as part of its two-month 40-concert tour of the United States. So today, for Music for Life and for our next pre-concert talk, we discuss this outstanding orchestra, its conductor, plus its guest soloist at the piano, and the music they will be performing at Armstrong. As I remind our listeners on each pre-concert talk episode of this program, it is quite common for concert halls to provide printed program notes for their concert goers. Sometimes even a pre-concert lecture will be hosted before the performance. Consider this episode one of those lectures, but one that can be consumed in this audio format. And for this particular pre-concert talk, these program notes, if you will, we're going to talk specifically about this orchestra, about its conductor, and about its guest solo and the repertoire they'll be performing at Armstrong. The National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine is one of the finest symphony orchestras in all of Eastern Europe. Since 1918, the orchestra has played premier performances by some of the world's most gifted composers, such as Prokofiev, Shostakovich, and Kachaturian. The orchestra has also worked with prominent conductors and soloists, such as Leopold Stokowski, Arta Rubinstein, Yehudi Menuhin, Isaac Stern, and many others. The 95-member orchestra has become one of the most recorded orchestras located in any former Soviet territory. Since 1993, the orchestra has produced over 100 recordings and received two Grammy nominations. Its tours have achieved international acclaim, and the orchestra has inspired audiences in more than 30 countries. Australia's Sydney Morning Herald wrote, Its strings can conjure up a vibrant songfulness. The woodwinds have a fruity, penetrating ripeness. The brass could endanger the walls of Jericho. The percussion might wake the dead. 
At the helm of this orchestra and touring with this orchestra is its artistic director and chief conductor, Volodymyr Serenko. It's not always the case that the artistic director and conductor does the extensive tours such as this one. Sometimes it's a guest conductor or a conductor laureate. Serenko was born in 1960 in the Ukraine. He graduated from the Kiev Conservatory in 1989. Two years later, he was appointed as chief conductor of the Ukrainian Radio Symphony Orchestra, a position which he held until 19. 1999, when he became the artistic director and chief conductor of the then Kiev State Symphony Orchestra, now the celebrated National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine. In 1997, Serenko was named an Honored Artist of Ukraine and in 2003 an Honored Artist of the Russian Federation. In 2001, he received the Shevchenko National Prize, Ukraine's most prestigious award. Serenko has also toured all over Europe, Asia, the Middle East, and the United States. He has worked with many international orchestras, including the Moscow Philharmonic, the Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra, and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. He has recorded several albums, including two major film soundtracks. To begin their program at Armstrong, the Ukraine National Symphony will play the Carnival Overture by Antonin Dvorak. This work premiered in 1892, Dvorak being just over 50 years old and now teaching composition at the Prague Conservatory of Music. As you may recall from earlier programs, an overture is typically a type of piece that is used to introduce a larger vocal work, like an opera or oratorio. It's usually the instrumental-only work that kicks everything off. However, in the Romantic era, composers were writing standalone orchestral works called overtures, works that were one movement, programmatic pieces, meaning they were depicting or describing something non-musical. And for that 1892 premiere, Dvorak wrote three overtures, intending to be on the themes of nature, life, and love. The first overture was titled Nature's Realm. The third was Othello, representing the subject of love. The second and middle overture representing life was this carnival overture. According to the composer's own program note, Carnival depicts a lonely contemplative wanderer reaching a twilight city where a festival is in full swing. On every side is heard the clangor of instruments mingled with shouts of joy and the unrestrained hilarity of people giving vent to their feelings in song and dances. The cheerful opening section with its rapid tempo and clangorous percussion leads to a slower middle section that features the English horn. The English horn is soon joined by the flute to represent, as Dvorak wrote, a pair of straying lovers. The festive spirit eventually returns and the overture ends with a powerful coda. This is a recording of the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra conducted by Raphael Kubelik.
You are listening to Music for Life. This is KPCG. I'm Ryan Malone, concert manager for Armstrong Auditorium and host of this program. Today's episode is another of our special pre-concert talks, and in it we are exploring the National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine, performing at Armstrong Auditorium in Edmond, Thursday, March 9th, under the baton of Volodymyr Serenko. That was Antonin Dvorak's Carnival Overture in a recording by the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra under the baton of Rafael Kubelik. And that will be how the Ukraine National Symphony opens its performance at Armstrong. The next piece on the program is Sergei Prokofiev's Piano Concerto No. 3 in C Major, Opus 26. It will feature pianist Alexei Grunyuk. Grunyuk was born in Kiev and displayed tremendous interest in music from his early childhood. At just six years old, he started giving his first concerts. He attracted wide attention at the age of 13 when he won the first prize at the Sergei Diaghilev All-Soviet Union Piano Competition in Moscow. By then, he had already been touring Eastern Europe as a soloist, as well as performing Mozart and Chopin piano concerti with Ukrainian orchestras. Grunyuk later went on to achieve numerous awards at international piano competitions, including first prizes at the Vladimir Horowitz International Piano Competition in Kiev and the Shanghai International Piano Competition in China. Equally at home in classical, romantic, and 20th century repertoire, Alexei Grunyuk has been invited to give solo recitals at many prestigious venues and festivals around the world. Enjoying worldwide critical acclaim, Grunyuk was described by Le Figaro magazine as a master of transparent and sovereign touch, astonishing personality, and absolutely transcendental virtuosity. He has been broadcast on radio and televised on Ukrainian, Lithuanian, Chinese, and Russian channels. Again, Grinyuk will be playing Prokofiev's Piano Concerto No. 3. Sergei Prokofiev completed this work in 1921 using sketches of music which first started back in 1913. Of his five piano concerti, this one has achieved the greatest popularity and critical acclaim. A concerto usually has three movements, and let's talk about each of the three movements of this beloved concerto. The first movement of this piano concerto begins with a lyrical introductory melody carried by the clarinet, then continued by the violins for several measures. As the tempo changes to allegro, or fast, it leads straight into the piano presenting the vibrant main theme. I played some of this movement in a previous episode to show how Prokofiev scored castanets into the percussion section as 20th century composers started favoring more percussion in their orchestrations. So we'll go ahead and skip to the section known as the recapitulation, where the opening material returns later in the movement. We're going to hear a recording of pianist Gary Groffman with George Sell conducting the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra.
That was the latter half of the first movement of Prokofiev's third piano concerto in a recording of Gary Groffman at the piano with George Sell conducting the Cleveland Symphony. The second movement is in what we call theme and variations form. That's where the melody is simply stated, in this case by the orchestra alone. Then there are several variations of that same theme. In this case, five variations featuring the piano and with each variation varying in tempo even. Here's the theme as stated by the orchestra. So that's the opening theme, the theme that will be varied upon by the piano in Prokofiev's third piano concerto, the second movement. Now, I don't have time to play the entire second movement, but I want to play the very end. Sometimes when composers write a piece in a minor key, uh, sometimes we call that a sad key, they'll make the last chord major to give it a more cheery conclusion, what we would call a happy key. Prokofiev sort of does this with the orchestra ending on an E major chord after all this E minor. But then when the piano solo plays the final chord after the orchestra, you'll hear the minor chord reiterated in the piano, as if Prokofiev is having the pianist insist that, no, we're not going to end in a major key. Here are the final few bars of this movement. So that was the end of the second movement of Prokofiev's Piano Concerto. You think he's going to end happy as the orchestra ends on more of a happy chord, but then the pianist comes back in and says, nope, we're going to end in a minor key. The final movement of Prokofiev's third piano concerto begins with a staccato theme for bassoons and pizzicato strings, or plucked strings, interrupted by a vivacious entry of the piano. This first theme is eventually taken up by the piano, and the piano develops it to a climax. The woodwinds present an alternate theme distinct from the first, then countered by a more sarcastic theme presented by the piano. These themes are all developed and then eventually even layered as the piece builds to a climactic conclusion in the joyous key of C major. Again, we're listening to a recording of pianist Gary Groffman with George Sell conducting the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra.
You are listening to Music for Life. This is KPCG. I'm Ryan Malone, concert manager for Armstrong Auditorium and host of this program. Today's episode is another of our special pre-concert talks, and in it we are exploring the National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine, performing at Armstrong Auditorium in Edmond, Oklahoma, Thursday, March 9th, under the baton of Volodymyr Serenko, and with guest piano soloist Alexei Grunyuk. We just heard the final movement of Sergei Prokofiev's Piano Concerto No. 3, performed by Gary Groffman in that recording, and that was with the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra under George Sell. That is the piece that Grunyuk will be playing with the Ukraine National Symphony. The final work on the program will be the ever-popular Symphony No. 9, subtitled From the New World by Antonin Dvorak. We've talked about Dvorak on previous episodes, particularly as relates to the folk elements he utilized in his compositions. He was not only a strong advocate for his native Czech folk music, he looked to the folk elements in American music for inspiration for this New World symphony. While visiting America, he was fascinated by the Native American and African American folk styles of music, and he felt it was imperative that American composers draw from these influences, as their music at this time was not distinct at all from that of its European contemporaries. He said, I am convinced that the future music of this country must be founded on what are called Negro melodies. These can be the foundation of a serious and original school of composition to be developed in the United States. These beautiful and varied themes are the product of the soil. They are the folk songs of America, and your composers must turn to them. So Dvorak set the example by writing this symphony, in fact. He said his melodies were to embody the peculiarities of the Indian music, and he packaged it within the orchestral framework of a symphony. He noted that the music of the Native Americans, the African Americans, and the Scottish were remarkably similar, and most believe he's referring to the pentatonic scale, or the five-note scale, used prominently in all three of these folk cultures' music. Dvorak also said, In the Negro melodies of America, I discover all that is needed for a great and noble school of music. The first movement begins with a slow introduction, anticipating the development of the thematic content throughout the rest of the movement. Dvorak specifically instructed that the entire introduction be drawn out where possible. Eventually, the fanfare-like A theme is presented. Once this fanfare-like theme is presented, it becomes a defining factor for the entire symphony, all four movements in fact, often appearing at key moments in the later movements. We're listening here to a recording of Wolfgang Savalisch conducting the Philadelphia Orchestra. 
That was the first movement of Antonin Dvorak's Symphony No. 9, subtitled From the New World. We're hearing a recording of the Philadelphia Orchestra under Wolfgang Savalish. And we'll be hearing Volodymyr Serenko conducting the National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine on Thursday, March 9th in Armstrong Auditorium here in Edmond, Oklahoma, as this is the major work of their program at Armstrong. The most famous movement from the symphony would have to be the second one. This movement begins with the succession of chords presented by wind instruments, and this leads directly into the well-known theme presented by the English horn, a broad yet sublime and simple melody. I played a large portion of this popular movement on a previous episode when we discussed the English horn, so I won't play much more of this. I thought it would be interesting to show you, though, where the first movement's A theme is referenced in this movement.
So that was a little of the second movement of the New World Symphony by Dvorak. I should mention that most symphonies have four movements. The first movement is usually moderately quick or majestic and is usually the longest movement. The second movement is usually where the composer shows off an ability to write slow, lyrical, beautiful music and sometimes where the audience shows off its ability to cough a lot, especially during the quietest moments. The third and fourth movements are usually quick, with the third movement being a dance-like or quick scherzo-like movement, and the fourth movement being a fast climactic finale to the entire work. The third movement of four from Dvorak's symphony is in the typical three-part scherzo form. According to Dvorak's statement in the New York Herald, The scherzo movement of my new symphony was suggested by the scene of the feast where the Indians dance. This is in reference to a scene in the poem called The Song of Hiawatha, written by 19th century poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. The A section contains these stirring dance-like rhythms, but then is interrupted briefly by a softer B section, as we call it, and after a return to the brisk A section comes the coda, or the tail end of the piece. The closing theme of the first movement is introduced here at the end of the third movement. So let's hear the return of the A section into the coda, where we hear Here again, a theme from the first movement referenced. We're listening to a recording of the Philadelphia Orchestra under Wolfgang Savalisch.
You are listening to Music for Life. This is KPCG. I'm Ryan Malone, concert manager for Armstrong Auditorium and host of this program. Today's episode has been another of our special pre-concert talks, and in it we have explored the National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine, performing at Armstrong Auditorium in Edmond, Oklahoma, Thursday, March 9th, with conductor Volodymyr Serenko and guest piano soloist Alexei Grinyuk. We have discussed the conductor, the pianist, the orchestra, and the exciting program of music they will be bringing to Armstrong. More information about this event can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. You can also follow at armstrongaud on Twitter. We will also post ticket information and the Facebook event page for this concert in our show notes. And remember, you can follow Music for Life on Twitter and Facebook at Music for Life PCG. We just heard the third movement of Dvorak's Symphony No. 9, subtitled From the New World, in a recording by Wolfgang Savalisch conducting the Philadelphia Orchestra. This is a symphonic work that will end the concert, and since it's so popular, you might know that there's still one more movement to play. And we will end this episode with that declamatory finale. This energetic fourth and final movement of the work contains thematic elements from all the previous movements. In one section, he interweaves main themes from the second, third, and fourth movements, and I'll start there and play to the end. Enjoy this selection, and I hope to see you at Armstrong. Thank you. 
You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me. Thank you.